I'm excited to announce that on May 25th to 27th, 2020, I'll be one of the leaders at Matt Pichet's More Than Money Retreat. This is going to be held up north in Huntsville, Ontario. Matt Pichet, in case you didn't know, is the fruitful investor. This man is a true inspiration. He went from being $30,000 in debt about five years ago to now a multimillionaire in net worth from his real estate investments. And he achieved all this with really powerful and well-executed marketing on YouTube and social media, along with his serious black belt level mastery in real estate investing, whether it's buy and holds, multi-units, flips, rentals, you name it. The guy seriously blows me away. And uh, a quick backstory, Matt's actually one of my clients, and at the outset of our coaching relationship, he was already killing it. It was really about unlocking him and having him really step into his deeper purpose, which is living an empowered and epic life in more ways beyond just succeeding in business and finances. He He actually has some really good Instagram posts sharing a lot of these changes and these insights if you follow him at Matt Pichet, that's M-A-T-P-I-C-H-E. Now you'll see that he takes Mondays off and he calls them more than money Mondays. He built a home spa complete with dry sauna, steam room, totally zen, which I actually got to experience. He takes care of himself at a whole new level, and you can see it in his freaking eyes. He is joyful in more ways than just one. So when he asked me to be a part of his More Than Money retreat, I was a total hell yeah. Guys, I I literally saw Matt go from feeling like a slave to his business, not feeling free, even though that's the very reason most of us become entrepreneurs. And uh, while he was financially doing well, he learned how to really value himself. He realized the type of impact he wanted to make, which is helping people beyond just wealth consciousness, uh, which obviously is, is incredibly important. And he's been sitting with this idea for a long time, and now it's here, the More Than Money Retreat. So guys... The place we got for the experience is incredible. It's a lakeside mansion, lots of open space, close to nature, has a freaking movie theater, pool table, fire pit, docks out to the water. I'll make sure to put a link in the description so that you can check out the the photos for yourself and the information about it as well. I I remember finding this gem and, and sending it to Matt and we just knew this is the place. So it's not a typical real estate investing Uh, business seminar. This is going to be an experience. I'll be guiding you through morning meditations, yoga, a deep transformational process to help conquer your fears and unlock your hidden potential. Matt will be blowing your minds with his marketing sales and wealth wizardry. We have a nutritionist, Brooke Hutch, preparing all your healthy whole foods and teaching us about how to fuel your high-performance lifestyle. It's, it's Guys, it's going to be awesome. And it's already half sold out with six of the 12 spots already taken. So if you resonate with this, join us on May 25th to 27th for the More Than Money Retreat. The remaining spots are going to be gone soon, and uh, I do not want you to miss this. So if you're someone who's a high achiever, already succeeding, yet in other areas of your life, you feel like you're collapsing in your health, relationships, sense of inner peace, fulfillment, and satisfaction. We literally designed this retreat to give you the insights, tools, and aha moments to build a great life that you love. 
the More Than Money Retreat. It's happening May 25th to 27th. I'll make sure to put the link in the description. Hit that link to see more information and how to book your spot. And uh, I hope to see you there. Hey, welcome back to the Oliver Manalise Show. I am your host, Oliver Manalise, and this is a show about and for leaders. We dive into the breakdowns before breakthrough stories, the defining moments that led them to choose a higher calling, a greater purpose, and a more meaningful path for their lives. Today is one where I invite you to listen to this conversation like you're looking through a window, a window of possibility. As you hear our guest story unfold, I want you to consider for yourself how this is parallel to your experience, your challenges, your wants, your fears, your dreams. I want you to look at it like, if it's possible for him, then it's possible for me. Is that a deal? All right. So with that out of the way, let me introduce to you our special guest. His name is Mark Greenwich. Mark is someone I've known for years now. We worked together in a coaching capacity a few years ago and have developed a great friendship since then. I've watched Mark grow in so many ways. He's a real estate sales professional, a real estate investor, a father, an athlete, a yogi, an entrepreneur. And the reason why I had him come onto the show was to share a really inspiring story, which still, just thinking about it, blows me away. So not too long ago, Mark, his wife, his two boys, they packed their bags, hit pause on work, school, and life in Canada, and traveled the world for 10 months. The experiences, lessons, and stories from this trip, how it's affected their life, and all the things that ignited them into making this trip happen are things you simply cannot miss. If you have a dream of world travel, doing something out of the ordinary, like living abroad long-term, and you have a job, a business, kids, school, family, financial obligations, all very valid reasons for why you haven't or feel like you can't right now, I think this conversation with Mark is truly worth listening to all the way to the end. Mark shares great tips on how they made it possible, the valuable relationships he made along the way, and how really, if you want it bad enough, and you have a big enough dream it's possible, it's doable, and he's done it. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited and uh, I'm just so pleased to be able to share with you my conversation with the one and only Mark Greenwich. You are listening to the Oliver Manalise Show. My name is Oliver Manalise and I I have the great, great pleasure to be here with the one and only Mark Greenwich. Mark, thanks for coming onto the show, man. Oliver, thank you for... uh having me on the show. You are somebody whose journey I've I've had the privilege of witnessing and uh, many roti lunches <laughs> later. I mean, you, you inspire me. You have an incredible story and uh, an incredible transformational journey over the last couple of years. And uh, for, for those of you who don't know who Mark is, Mark is a real estate professional. He's a coach at Rockstar Realty. And he is somebody who has recently gone and traveled the world with his family. And this is just, it's, it's a mind-blowing uh, experience, to say the least. It's something that I think a lot of us could only dream about. Uh, Mark is also a real estate investor. 
and somebody who's really well versed in helping other people invest in real estate and, and create lives on their own terms. And so part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is to share with us, you know, what this journey has been like for you over the last couple of years. Like what, what has led you to where you are? What do you attribute it to? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a great question and there's definitely not one single thing. Uh, it's definitely a, probably a combination, a merger of different, uh, events, circumstances that, uh, have developed over time that came together and and ultimately led to uh, our big decision a couple of years ago to pack up the family, so myself, my wife, and our two boys, and uh, yeah, leave the country and explore the explore the world. <laughs> that that sounds so sexy. <laughs> I'm just gonna pack up yeah. with my family and we're and we're out of here. That's you know we just one day decided. Yeah, well, you know what? It wasn't de- definitely. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, if it came out that way, that's not what I. That wasn't the intention. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just, no, I'm just saying, like, you know, when we hear that kind of story, it's just so out of the ordinary. It's so special. Um, but, I, but like you said, it's it's a culmination of so many different things. Yeah, you know what? It's. Uh, I mean, at the foundation, both myself and my wife uh, have traveled in the past. Uh, not extensively to this, uh, to what we did with this world trip, but you know, like most people, these trips here and there for a week here, two weeks there, um, and so we have both had a foundation for that desire, that enthusiasm for for travel and everything that came with that. So that was the foundation. Now, on top of that, you know, for me personally, you know, I always saw this really cool idea, you know, of the kids. Instead of learning something uh, in school, they can actually, uh, from a visceral uh, perspective, be able to actually see it themselves. So that was something that I'm not too sure where that came from. Uh, it wasn't something that I was thinking about as a kid myself, but it was just something as a parent. I, uh, it was something that I thought, wow, that would be something special. That would be awesome to, to, give, to the, give to our two boys. Um, on top of that, uh, I mean, there's a few things. Um, I'm going to start rhyming off a few things here. Yeah, uh, let's, g- give us just like a kind of a, a brief overview of, of let's say, the, the ages, I, I, you know, the ages of your kids, I think is sure. is important. Yes. And maybe just an overview of what the trip actually looked like. Um, yeah. You know, j- just like just briefly <clears throat> before we kind of go go in a little bit deeper as, as to how you got there. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Just so we get some perspective of like, okay, this is this is where they went. This is what happened. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So our two boys at the time were, uh, let's see, they were thirteen and fifteen. Uh, so the youngest was about to start grade seven, and the oldest was about to start grade nine. Uh, we decided that we would. Uh, so in terms of how we decided to uh, go, actually, I'll, I'll say that for later. But in terms of the big picture, what we did, we went to. We started off in Europe, uh, visited a couple countries in Europe. Then we went to like, Africa. What countries? What countries? And how long? Uh, so we went to went to England for a very very uh, short trip of two days. Uh, so the intention there was just to go watch a Manchester United uh, football match or soccer match, as we call it here in Canada and Australia, actually, because uh, he's a big Manu fan. My oldest son. 
So we just went for that purpose only. And I was glad that we only stayed for two days because it's very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The pound. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were the numbers after those two days that we were there. I was like, oh, boy, I don't know if we're going to last too long on this trip at this pace. But uh, thankfully, things changed as we went to different countries. So after that, we went to Portugal. I have a buddy that I've known. Uh, we went to, went to high school together. Um, in this last year of high school, his parents basically packed up and said, we're out of here. Uh, so that was probably back in early 90s. And so he's been there since. And so we went to go visit him uh, to hang out with his family for a few days. And then from there, we went to Africa. And while in Africa, we went to Morocco. Africa is huge. Where in Africa? Yeah. So we started off in Morocco. Uh, so we were there for about almost four weeks. And then we headed to South Africa. Uh, did that for another four weeks. And then from there, we went to... Asia, and in Asia we did Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand. Uh, I'm missing one. Uh, what was the other one now? Jeez, Cambodia, Thailand, and Vietnam, and oh, I've lost track of my mind here. Wait, so it was a fourth country. It's presumably I've lost my mind there. And then after that, we went to went to Australia, and then from Australia we circled back and went to. Uh, I went to Portugal to see my friend again, and we went to Croatia as well. And, and how long were you away for? Uh, so we were gone for nine months. That's amazing. Thank you, thank you. I'm I, like people who are who, who you know aren't here with us; they can't see. Like, but I, it's making me smile so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even when I share the story, it's sometimes I have to kind of pinch myself and and uh, like, wow, it was something we talked about and and we actually we actually did it. Hmm. And so, I mean, I can only imagine like what kind of challenges are in the way of of being able to fulfill that kind of dream. You got you got to want it badly for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to make that kind of commitment because while you're out there, you can't be here. You can't Correct. be here working. You can't be here building your business or working with your clients. Um, that goes on pause and then you go and enjoy your round the world trip with your family. And I mean, for, for so many of us, it's, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges. It's just like, okay, well, what about work? What about this? What about that? Uh, what kind of, what kind of, issues or concerns that you have uh, leading you know, up the, to it it was interesting you know when we were sharing um this crazy idea with people that uh you know we're going to travel the world you know first you know the reaction was come on are you serious you know shock and awe kind of thing right yes um but one of the most common uh questions after that was what about the kids what about school so i'd say that was definitely the biggest challenge leading up to the trip and also during the trip as well <laughs> uh, for, for obvious reasons, right? I mean, the kids, you know, we're, here we are in different countries uh, doing these different, uh, ex uh, having these different experiences, um, you know, getting stimulated with all these new stimuli in their life. And so the last thing they want to do is open up a book and start learning about whatever today's math lesson is, right? Um, so we were always having to, uh, you know, get after them to, to, to do their homework, um, but yeah, leading up to the leading up to the trip, uh, thankfully we have quite a few friends that are that are teachers, 
So we got their perspective in terms of, you know, because the biggest one was, the biggest concern was actually our, our oldest because he was going to grade nine. We weren't so much concerned about our youngest son. Uh, the reason being, we, we talked to a couple families that had actually um, did this world trip with their families and tapped into their experience. And so they shared that. And both, both of their kids, uh, both families had two kids, and both of their kids were actually elementary school elementary age kids and uh, so they said you know and it was pretty consistent what they shared was that you know as long as you as long as they do their english and and you know so the reading um do their math in our case our kids were in french immersion so we also had to add the extra layer of getting some french in there as well um uh, you know they should be you know good uh, when they come back which was the case so our, our youngest son so he while we were traveling he was in grade seven he came back and uh he was able to get uh, you know sorry not able to but he went to grade eight and uh, you know, he's doing well. He's, he's excelling. And to be honest with you, I have to confess, he, he didn't, and I'm not, this is not a knock against the education system, but <laughs> he, 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 he did not do too much work. Because uh, uh, we were, trust me, we were, we were on, like I said, it was one of our biggest challenge. And uh, I mean, he did some work, uh, but uh, I guess we should be thankful that uh, he is somewhat studious. And so when he did come back, uh, he definitely got uh, back into it. And with the surprise that we had was because it was French immersion, uh, we actually came back before the school year was finished. And so we were thinking, okay, we'll just put him back in school for the, the month that we were, uh, the, the month that was left in school. And uh, so they said, oh, well, he's, before we can uh, have him come back, he has to do a test, an oral French test. And no one told us about this before. And so this was the first time we were hearing this. And so he was a bit surprised and shocked because you know, he actually, they actually had some French. Um, they were actually able to practice some French in some of the countries he went to, so like Morocco. Mm. And uh, maybe that paid off <laughs> because, uh, yeah, he was able to pass that test and he was able to get back into the French immersion, which was great. So we were happy for him. But, yeah, like I said, the oldest was the more challenging one because he was going to grade nine. And so it's all about, you know, the prerequisite courses. And so we actually had mapped out his whole four years of uh, high school so that we can – kind of reverse engineer whatever courses he would need to take certain courses in the later years of high school. So like, for example, he ended up taking like a grade 11, uh, phys ed course, um, while he was traveling, um, because there was no prerequisite for that, but it would be something that he needed. And it was one of those courses where he could get away with while he was traveling, as opposed to something like a science where we had to wait till he came back to, to uh, Canada to, um, do the labs, right? Cause you, obviously can't be doing labs while we're traveling out and about was it was there any resistance from them to be pulled out of school you know we had them involved in the process from day one so when we decided that hey we're going to uh your mom and i have this crazy idea of traveling the world <laughs> which, which for them obviously came out of nowhere and uh they what we did with them we said listen what do you guys think about that? First of all, so then they gave us their thoughts, you know, <laughs> um, and which is all positive. And so we said, so based on that, we'd be leaving. You'd be missing out a year of school. What year would you guys be okay leave, uh, missing out on? And so the youngest, he didn't care. He just shrugged <laughs> his shoulders. <laughs> he, he's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm good right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, whereas the oldest one, he's, uh, he was in grade seven at the time and he said he didn't want to miss his grade eight and I uh, wanted to be there for graduation, be there for that last year with his buds. 
And uh, so we said, okay, so then we'll do it the following year. And that's that's ultimately why we came to the decision of, I mean, I don't think we would have been ready anyway if they said, okay, we, we can go now. Mm. We probably would have been in a ready position to do at that point. Uh, so it actually just worked out really well in terms of them saying, well, yeah, pretty, pretty much a year from when we had the talk um, is when we eventually started packing our bags and making our way out of here. Was there anyone who, uh, advising against the trip? Maybe maybe not just like the homeschooling aspect, but just the trip in general. It's like, yeah, you guys shouldn't do that. Was there like friends or family? Not to our faces. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, I, do you know that this like it happened? Like, it's not to your face, but people were were thinking that. That's like, oh, this is a crazy idea. They shouldn't be doing that. Well, I, you know, I, I think, I, I mean, I can't go into other people's minds. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I imagine that there was this feeling that. Um, of concern and fear just of the unknown, right? Is it in safe? Of, is it reckless? Is it, you know, that's kind of, I'm trying to put my head into the minds of other, you know, parents and other, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I think if if anyone had any reservations, it probably would have been more of our immediate family. I think in terms of friends, they were, you know, they were happy for us and excited and mm. uh, looking forward to following our, our uh, you know, all the things that we were going to do on our trip. Uh, I think from a, you know from the family perspective, they were obviously you know probably had a little bit of fear factor of the unknown and what that would look like in terms of being in some of these countries that you know maybe they'd seen in the news um, this or that happened there, so they were a bit concerned with us going to these countries, et cetera, et cetera. But no one no one explicitly came out and said it. Yeah. And so, how much time? How much preparation was it? About a year. Yeah. And what did exactly. you do? What did you do during that year differently to to get ready for this? Uh, hustled, hustled <laughs> <more than> <laughs> <laughs> really, really hustled. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, when you have, in our case, we had this, we had this big Mount Everest goal that we were looking to achieve, uh, looking to climb, and so with that, and we we made the commitment. You know, for me. It was interesting because for my wife, she was, as soon as we made the decision, she was telling anyone and everyone she crossed paths with, right? Whereas for me, I was, you know, other than telling, um, you know, me, me and family and the guys that work, I, I work with, um, it wasn't wasn't one of the first things that came to my mouth, right? Whereas for my wife, it, it was. Because, um, yeah, just for me, it was just about heads down and let's work towards this, uh, this goal. And, uh, yeah, for her, it was, it was a different approach. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> Did it, like, was there any uh, ounce of view that was just like, is this even realistic that we can do this in a year? No. To... No. There wasn't, no. There, there wasn't, like. No, no, what? I didn't. That's uh, amazing. You know what? You know what? We, uh, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't, just didn't have any reservations about it. And I think what helped, too, was. You know, talking to a couple other families that had had did it themselves. Uh, my wife was part of a Facebook group that um, was families that were that either had traveled around the world, their family, with their families, or were about to. So she was uh, connected with these with those folks. Um, so that gave us more of a confidence of, hey, you know mm. what, you know, other people have done it, and you know. And everything that came in terms of feedback has been positive from their experiences. Yeah, there was the odd family that, you know, they ran into their own 
you know, turbulence along the way. But uh, the general consensus was that, uh, you know, everyone was had a really positive experience and they would they would do it again in heartbeats and it was the best decision of their life. So when you start hearing that and it's reinforced over and over again, um, I don't know, you just automatically, in my case, just or our case, we felt confident with our decision and what lay ahead. That's, I mean, that really, really is such an important thing to underscore. Just the fact that there were people that you knew and you were in conversation with that can make it concrete. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, you know, if it's your own dream and you're kind of just by yourself uh, trying to achieve it, I think it's I think it's a little bit different when you have like several people reaffirming. It's like, no, this is doable. Like, this is what we had to do. Here's some of the steps. Here's some things that's to look out for. Now you kind of have a little bit of a, a roadmap, like a little bit of an outlook. Maybe was is that part of the reason why you're just like, no, we could like this is happening. Like there wasn't any reservations. Well, yeah, no, exactly. That's it. You know, you you you. We heard it firsthand from people who had did it themselves. Um, they had. You know, they shared with us their experiences from both positive and not so positive, um, things to look out for when it's our turn to do What stands this. out? I guess looking back in now, but, of, yeah, in terms of the things that they pointed out to you, before, like as you were preparing and planning and hustling for the trip, is there anything that you can remember that was like huge to be like, oh, we got to make sure to keep this in mind or we got to watch out for that or we got to plan for this? Was there anything? You know, nothing per se that that stands out at the top of my mind right now. Uh, I mean, the well, well, I had a conversation with one of the, and this was actually the tipping point for us to 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 actually go on this trip. Was uh, I remember this phone, uh, one of the phone calls I had with uh, the family that uh, had taken their two young girls on the on a world trip, and I, I asked her what her takeaways were um, from from the experience. And she shared with me that, you know, it was one of the best experiences of their life. Um, they came back and their family were uh, tighter, uh, more tightly knit unit, and that uh, her two girls had a greater appreciation for what they had. And for me, hearing those things were, uh, yeah, were real motivators for for the decision to, to move forward. Um, and the other thing that she said was, which was interesting, was, at least I found it interesting was that when she came back, when they came back, she felt like nothing had changed. Here, yeah, correct. Yeah, I remember. So they, you, I remember you telling me that at lunch when we had lunch mm -hmm. a, a while back. That like that really landed for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What is it about hearing that that coming back, nothing's different, nothing's changed here? Well, just in terms of. You feel that maybe in that absence that you wonder how things will change, right? And it's an uncertainty. It's an unknown. It's a question mark. You know, what and who and will change and how things will change and how will that impact us? So just to hear that, you know, for at least for this family, when they came back, this is how they felt. So then to me, it, it really minimized, you know, what we would be missing during that gap of not being here. Hmm. Yeah. There, you know, I remember um, like years and years ago, one of the things that held me back from traveling was, was exactly that was the fear of like, what am I going to miss here? Mm -hmm. And also at the time, like when my grandmother was still alive, she wasn't doing well. I'm just like, what if I leave? And that's, you know, she passes away. Like it kind of, it kind of freaked me out to think about that. 
Like, what if this is, what if this is the last time I, I see her and like I go and travel for a couple of weeks or whatever? Um, yeah, there's some of those things that came up for me. You know, and I don't know if I was being naive or not thinking. Of, I that thought didn't actually pass. I actually, and only only when we came back uh, <laughs> did I think about what you just said in terms of you know what if there was an event where a family member you know was fallen ill, really ill, or you know worse really obviously the worst case scenario and, and it passed away you know well, obviously we drop everything and come back but exactly. it was it just wasn't wasn't on the radar in terms of that being um something that you know a reason not to go essentially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right now i remember you were telling me that there was you know there's another event that kind of happened concurrently or around the same time that you heard this story that made you be like, no, this is it. We got to try. We got to do our. We, we got to oh. live our dream now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when I was talking earlier in terms of the the merging of different reasons and uh, motivators for for the decision, one was uh, a friend, uh, similar. Actually, no, not similar. Same age as myself. So in our forty somethings, and. Uh, so he, this was a couple, now a couple years ago, uh, December, he goes into the hospital around Christmas time, feeling of, feeling some pain in his, in his stomach area and finds out he has stage four pancreatic cancer. And within, let's say four or five months, we were at his funeral. Uh, so just the, that was, you know, a reminder of the impermanence of life um the uncertainty of life um that you know at uh, terms of living our lives and not having regrets or at least minimizing the regrets of things you didn't do that you wanted to do that was uh that's how i kind of digested that experience mm-hmm. um yeah i just didn't want to leave anything on the table so to speak in terms of some of these ideas and thoughts and dreams I had in my mind uh, for myself and for my family that I said, well, why not now? Yeah. So, so in a way that, I mean, that loss is, you know, there's a blessing in it as well. Like Mm -hmm. it it helped catalyze you and help remind you like, Hey, this is it. This is all you get. You don't, you don't know when your time is up. Well, exactly. That's it. Right. And I mean, you know, trying to sound like a downer here or anything. But, it's not. Uh, I don't think it is. I think it's you know, like this is real, right? Yeah, you just don't, you just don't know. You just um, and, and again, another idea that just popped in my head again in terms of like this. I mean, if I wrote all this down, it's probably about a dozen different ideas and thoughts that merged into to one in terms of becoming now this massive uh, reason or motivation to to do the trip. Uh, it was a TED talk um, by a doctor that worked in a hospice. Uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but uh, one of the questions that uh, I think I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. Yeah, so he would he had he would have these conversations. So these are folks that uh, you know they're um, on their last days, and so he would ask them, you know, have these conversations with them, and you know, to have a conversation about, you know, regrets um, or things that they would have done differently in in their life. And, you know, 
the common theme was things that they wish they had done that they didn't do, right? And so, yeah, that hit home as well in terms of, you know what, um, this traveling the world thing, and it's something that I want to do, and why not now? The universe was sending you a message, man. It yeah, was from multiple from multiple different angles. <laughs> it was just like, do you get it now? Do you get it? Here's one. Here's two. Here's three. Like it's just, wow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was coming from. Uh, I mean, I and again, it's all it's how you interpret these moments that you're having. I mean, someone else who's listening to that same TED talk or watching it may not digest it the same way. Um, but for me, that's, that's how I did. And then all for me, it just became an alignment with this bigger, um, bigger vision for, for us and our family. Mm-hmm. Now, what I would, I would love for you to share with us the relationship dynamic and how it shifted, like spending that much time together, like mm-hmm. going around, going around the world. Um, that's a different context than your day to day. All right, going to work. All right, you know, going to school. Let me drop you off and soccer practice and this. Like, it's very different when you are okay. What are we gonna do today? Like, where, yeah, where yeah. are we gonna go? Where are we gonna eat? Like, who are we gonna meet? Yeah, it's. Yeah, we went uh, from one extreme to to the next, right? So, from you know, doing the kids are going to school, mom and dad are going to work. We see each other in the mornings, see each other in the evenings um, during the work week. Uh, sometimes we're not uh, even eating at the same time uh, because of the schedules, right? Because, you know, mommy's taking the youngest to his practice. Daddy's taking the oldest to his practice. So we're even going separate ways um, and only then coming back together at the end of the day. Where now on this trip, it was completely opposite. We're always together. <laughs> <laughs> Close quarters, man. <laughs> Forever. And it's 24-7 that we're, we're together. And surprisingly, we all uh, came back uh, <laughs> uh, not hitting each other. And uh, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it, was an, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience just to be always having meals together. Uh, not just one meal. I mean, all three meals. Uh, if we did have three meals that day, we, all meals were were together. And so many family conversations that were often things we didn't have, and you know, the luxury of, so to speak, just because you know the lives that we we're living. You know, just rushing from here to there, and you know, going to work, taking the kids to their practices and tournaments, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it was yeah, it was nice to just have that time together, some quality time together, intimate time together, just to be present with each other. Any, any defining moments that really stand out for you in terms of, you know, being with your kids, being with your wife? Um, yeah, during the trip? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, yeah. I can't imagine it being, like, always easy. Like, me and Janet went away for, like, I think it was over a month in Europe and man, that's a journey. Like that's, there's adventure and there's misadventure, right? Like there's, you know, there are stresses that come with traveling and not knowing what you're going to do next. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't necessarily have it all completely mapped out and planned out, 
um like and you ha- you really do have like an open road it's not you know looking back we're like oh man that was magical but in it we're just like man some some of this is hard <laughs> <laughs> like being yeah. with each other this much is hard you know so i don't know if anything comes up for you <laughs> yeah i think for us it was and this happened actually early in the trip uh we went to morocco uh so three out of four of us uh fell ill um, the only person that managed to escape being ill was, was my wife. So she ended up being the uh, caretaker for all three of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was stressful because, you know what, we, um, for the most part, the three of us, uh, the boys, were, were, were bedridden, um, weren't able to do much. Uh, so here you are in this new country and all excited to see different things and, and try different things and um yeah and, and it, it happened in stages so it wasn't like we were there was times where we overlapped but then there was times where it was just the my youngest son and then it was just my oldest son and then it was just me and then it was when all three of us were were out and and that whole period lasted at least two and a half weeks so oh it was, my goodness yeah so that was uh in a so, foreign country and Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, it did put a lot of stress on, on my wife, especially just because, uh, you know, she just she felt, you know, she saw how the condition that we were in and she just felt a little bit helpless in the sense of, you know, how best she can help us under the circumstances. Um, yeah, we were uh, we had a big trip, let's say, within Morocco planned, which was to go to the Sahara Desert. And so now because of our illnesses, we were thinking that, okay, this may not happen. And we were looking forward to, to this, right? This was kind of the, the uh, cherry on, on top of the ice cream here in terms of the time in Morocco. And uh, yeah, just at that last possible moment, um, things turned around for, for my oldest son. My youngest son was already better. I was still, I was still under the weather, but uh you know, I said, let's, let's do this. And that actually, thankfully, thankfully we were able to go to the Sahara desert cause we ended up finishing strong. Um, that was the last thing we did before leaving Morocco. Um, and it was actually our second best experience of, of the whole trip. Wow. Yeah. Your, your sec one of your best experiences of the trip and it was preceded by like one of the most challenging parts of the trip. Exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah and yeah, we what were... was <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> like what what was that experience like for you the sahara oh, man i don't know if i can even put it into words yeah it i got was... i'm not i'm not expecting you to but like kind of what do you take away from that like how did it make you feel it, it was very surreal very very surreal just the it was so the one thing that stood out in my mind was how quiet it was. It was, it was scarily quiet. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> like you're just expecting to hear something, <laughs> right? We're just so used to background noise of whatever it may be, wherever we are. And just to be um, somewhere out in like an outside for that matter. And just be in absolute silence it was just, uh, yeah, it was very surreal. Um, yeah, the kids loved it. The kids absolutely loved it. I mean, our one regret, um, and just as a tip for, 
for anyone who's going to do Sarah Desert. We only did the like one night. So we did a camel ride to the um, destination of where we were going to camp out. And then we just slept the, the one night. And then early morning, you, you leave to see the, see the sunrise, which is all good. Um, but we had, I guess, got, uh, got there late. So it was late evening or when we got on the camel. So still some natural light. But then by the time we got to the campsite, it was it was dark, so we didn't have an appreciation to see more of what uh, what was there. Um, but yeah, so I would definitely recommend you do at least two nights if you're doing the whole Sahara Desert. Um, and as for the camel ride, <laughs> camel ride, let, let's put it this way. It, it's, it sounds good, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't feel so good after about 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was one of the things where it said, you know, it'd be only like a half hour camel ride from getting on to then getting off uh, at your destination, but it ended up being probably double that. So a bunch of us, uh, it wasn't just our family, it was a couple of other groups, uh, about halfway through, a bunch of us just got off and said, okay, I'm just, just going to walk the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah. And it, but that was even a cool experience in itself, right? Just to walk barefoot on, on those sand dunes oh. and the kids got off off to and they started running up and down we have a couple of really great shots of them in action and it's yeah just yeah and some of our best photos are from from the Sahara desert it's just it's just so majestic um so majestic it was uh well yeah i know it's probably an oversaid word priceless but yeah it truly was a priceless moment for us what was the best moment one of the because you said this is your second best uh number yeah, one what was is, the best without number one across the board from every family member is uh, the safari in South Africa. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know what? The, uh, we went to a campsite uh, just outside of Kruger Park. So Kruger Park is uh, uh, one of the well-known uh, places to go on a safari. And so th- with Kruger Park, it's kind of like, uh, you know, for people who may know African Lion Safari here in our <laughs> neck of the woods, uh, you, you essentially go in your car or go in some a bus and you just drive through and you just look at the animals just hanging out, right? And that's what Kruger Park is essentially like. So where we were staying at, we were um, essentially off of Kruger Park and they had their own um, day trips. And so they would go anywhere and everywhere. They, they knew where the animals hung out. And the way it worked, there was other, let's call them, for lack of a better word, um, safari um, coordinators, uh, they would all, they had their walkie-talkie. So if one guy saw something, he would then let broadcast a, a message out to everybody. So, so if he saw a bunch of lions and he'd broadcast a message to everybody else, so then they can make their way to this spot where everyone can now see the lions, which is really cool. And yeah, let's go to where all the lions are. Yeah. That sounds very smart, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I do have a lion story to share as well. Uh, but yeah, you know what? It was. And I'll never forget when we first got into the, the uh, drove through the gate of this park. And after getting through the gate, we had to drive another uh, probably another hour to eventually get to where we were going to be um, putting uh, putting ourselves to sleep every night. And I remember just driving there, just and I had. There's another lesson learned here was so when you go to some of these uh, places, you're probably better off getting uh, maybe a four by four instead of uh, the smallest, cheapest car you can get. 
because <laughs> the roads just aren't, uh, they're not nicely paved, let's put it that way. So I literally had to drive about 20 to 30 kilometers an hour just so I didn't mess up the suspension on this car that I was driving. <laughs> yeah, so that's why it took about an hour, an hour and a half to, from the time we passed the gate to this, um, where we were staying to get to our final destination. But I remember when we were driving, and all of a sudden, my, my wife's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And here I'm like, I'm ready to slam the brakes. Like, oh, what, what, what's going on? What's going on? And then she, and then I look over, and then you just see this giraffe. Like, literally, oh. it's about 20 feet from us, right? Oh. And it's just there, you know, looking at us, seeing what we're up to, right? And then it'll turn away, start uh, munching away at its, off the leaves of uh, the tree that it's uh, getting its meal from. And yeah, so that was that was just a wow moment in terms of how close we were. We were oh, we were man. now in we were now in their environment, right? Um, we weren't seeing them behind cages like we were accustomed to. And here we are, we're we're in their natural habitats and seeing how they are and and literally being just a few feet away from them, which was just just absolutely incredible. Just just unbelievable. Um just seeing how they and learning about how the animals um, uh, roam and, and their and their idiosyncrasies and you know I remember another there's two other moments that really stand on my mind from the from the from the safaris was that uh, I remember one time we went and we saw these the water buffaloes so water buffaloes are part of the big five so they talk about the big five these um, kind of almost like top five animals you you want to see when you're out on these safaris so water buffaloes are one of the top five. And so we ended up uh, going to this watering hole, and sure enough, we were in luck because here were some of the water buffaloes just hanging out, and they were all laying down on all fours, and they're all in a circle, which was really interesting for me to see. And so then our oh. guide told us, he said, you know, you know why they're in a circle? And, and they said that's their formation essentially for um, their protection from predators. So they're covering all the angles. Right. So they have yes. eyes on every angle from where they are, from their position. So if they someone, someone, if one, one of them sees, uh, <laughs> if one of them sees a, a predator, obviously uh, it alerts the rest of the herd and they take action, which was, which was just, yeah, it was incredible to see. It gives me goosebumps. I, and I remember actually one guy, and you can, I didn't have an appreciation for the size of these animals until one of them actually stood up. So, I mean, once we get close enough, they, um, our guide turns off the engine of the, of the Jeep. And, uh, so then one just got up, stood up and just stared at us. And when it stood up, I thought, Whoa, <laughs> look at this thing. It was just, it was just, I don't know. I don't know. It was just me being, and I, you know what? And I'm not an animal person. Like my family is like, they, they, they love it. And for me, it, it I have to, I have to confess, like if, the safari was number one for me as well, even not being an animal person. Um, yeah, it's just so it was, it was just unreal. And then the lions that was, that took it to another level, took it absolutely to another level. Like we saw, we were, uh, on the one night we were, uh, when we were out, we were actually seeing the lions. It was a pack of things, five, and they were getting essentially in position for, for attack and of some impalas which are the equivalent of, of deer here and yeah so we'd see you know one lion just slowly walk and then just lay down and and we knew that there was a, a pack of this pack of five 
travel of, of limes. And uh, so in my mind here, I'm thinking, okay, I see like two right now. <laughs> Where are the other three? Because you guys said that they're five. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen two right now. <laughs> Where are, the are you rocking three? binocular binoculars? Or uh, we didn't bring it, which is one of the regrets that we had is not ah. uh, having uh, binoculars and having a higher quality camera, as my kids will always remind me of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because sometimes, you know, it's like uh, we see animals that were especially went to Kruger Park. Uh, we did that as well. Um, some of the animals were a little further out and it would have mm-hmm. been nice to have binoculars or um, a camera that can really had a powerful zoom. But yeah, that one night we saw the lions and yeah, they were literally in the, our guide was really great. Obviously they, he knew his stuff and he said, just look over there. And so we're looking basically at nothing. And he said, you watch one of his brothers are going to come soon. And then sure enough, he was right. This other lion just comes out of nowhere, just getting into position. And the, uh, and then we saw, or we saw, we didn't see, so we heard Impala, which like I said, is equivalent of our deer here. We heard them in the, uh, in the background. Uh, so we thought here I'm thinking, Oh wow, this is the stuff you see on national geographic. I'm about to see it go down live right now. Right. Oh my God. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it didn't actually turn out that way, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> which actually, actually in, actually in hindsight, maybe it was probably a good thing. Um, given the kids, they may not, I mean, it's one thing to watch it on TV, but then to actually see it live, uh, might not have been the best thing for our kids to see that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the Impala made this sound, and I guess somehow they uh, they sensed the uh, the lions. And so our guide told us that the uh, that's the sound of the Impala basically announcing to the group that, you know, there's trouble, so let's get out of here. Mm. And uh, But what was really interesting was that, and they told us this, was that, um, and which is obviously something that probably people would be curious about in terms of, you know, being in this Jeep and being so close to animals, you know, what stops them from, you know, coming after you, essentially, right? And so they just see the Jeep and everybody in the Jeep as an outline. And that's it. So it's almost like your uh, background um, within their world, right? However, as soon as you break that outline, then they realize, okay, what's they going on? They become conscious. Exactly. Of some, so that will trigger. That will trigger. Yeah, they'll, that will trigger them to then look and well, and who knows what would happen next. But uh, so it was obviously really important to just obviously just stay still, not like stand up and try to get a better photo or anything like that, right? And especially that same night was when these you're lines, not enclosed, so right? You're like you're not enclosed well, is, in anything. No, no, yeah, it's completely open. Yeah, okay, completely okay. open. At least the at least the Jeep that we were in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so I remember with that, so as soon as those Impalas had uh, sent off their warning sign, so the lions recognized that. So they just essentially got up and just started walking to a different position. And they walked right in front of the Jeep. Like right in front of the Jeep. That's how close they were. How many? Uh, so we, there's a five of them in total, but you know, it was just the two of them that were walking in front of us, the three, the three others were a little further out because again, they were just coming out of being their attack formation essentially. Right. So they were in different positions. Um, but yeah, there was a couple of them that literally just walked right in front of the Jeep. They just, they walked by or did they just stop there? No, they walked. They just they, walked right they just by. Walked right right there. Yeah. So that's what I was saying about the whole oh outline was that they didn't God. even like, they didn't even 
look, turn their necks, nothing in our direction. It was just as if we weren't even there. So that was the one night. <laughs> that is freaking intense. So that was the one night. But then the next night, we go out again. And uh, so, again, we get the – or in our case, on this night, the guide got uh, the call on his walkie-talkie that they had spotted the lions and da-da-da. So we drove over there. And, you know, as per usual, so we've become used to this. So we go to the spot. They turns off the engine of the Jeep, and we just kind of look, right? So now it's a little bit darker than it was the night before. And so he's shining now this big floodlight, and he's just shining all around, right? Because once he sees – um, the, we'll get the reflection of the eyes of the lion. So then we now see where they are, right? So that's how uh, we would see where they are around us, right? And so we're there and he's shying. It's like, okay, here, you know, there's one, there's one there, there's one there. And I remember my son and my oldest son and I were sitting in the back. And I remember there was one lion that was literally walking. I, don't, I wouldn't even say walking. It, it was this different type of walk it was it was a different walk compared to the night before the other one was yes the night before it was a casual walk you know what let's okay we gotta go somewhere else kind of thing not even looking our way and literally like i said just walking right in front of the jeep this this next night that one lion i remember was literally looking at us his head was tilted. He's walking in one direction, but his head is tilted 90 degrees looking in our direction. And I, the thought in my mind was, okay, this doesn't feel, <laughs> this doesn't <sighs> feel like yesterday. <laughs> you know what? And although yesterday was the first time we got up close to the lions, I felt really comfortable because I can see that they didn't really care about us. And, and it was true that, the, you know, obviously that we were just considered an outline, just background. But this one was, this time around, it was different. And, and so much so that, the um, this is the first time actually our guy usually was talking, you know, t- you know, talking us through things and telling us things. This was the one time where he didn't say a thing, right? All he actually did say was one thing. He said he just sent a little reminder to us in a very calm voice, like guys, just stay still. All right, remember the outline. And then he turned the engine on, which he'd never done before, and then slowly started to move forward. So we're moving away from that lion. Oh that was, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how close was I mean, it? Ob- uh, I would say twenty feet. Like he would be on us in like, you know, uh, two seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure everything was. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm here to talk about the story. So <laughs> exactly, you live to tell uh, the story. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just remember just that. It, it just, it was just a. Uh, it was a wow like feeling that um yeah well this is as up close and gut-wrenching as uh you can get uh in terms of the safari at least at that point for us but beyond the lines we saw all the others we saw rhino we saw elephants and other animals i've never heard of in my life before and yeah saw them up close and saw them doing their thing and learned a lot about their behaviors and yeah, the kids absolutely loved it. I remember actually we met someone who, uh, uh, I can't remember, he was from somewhere in Europe, and he he essentially was just traveling around on his own, and he had uh, asked uh, uh, the folks that were running the uh, safari if he can just volunteer and hang out with them for a week or so, right, and help them out. And uh, I remember my youngest heard about this, and he's like, oh, Dad, I want to do that. 
And so, yeah, I can see him probably in, you know, a few years, maybe not doing a gap year after, uh, after he's done high school. I can see him probably taking off and doing something on his own, jumping on some type of uh, safari volunteer adventure, and which is really cool, which is really cool because, yeah, we're all about encouraging our kids to live life uh, the way they want to live so and, and, and support that. Tell us about soccer. Ah, Yes, I think you're. I think you're alluding well, I, to the as, fact as that soon as you came, said that your son wants to be a working as, as a, a, a what do you call him? Uh, I, I don't know a guide, safari guide. Yeah, yeah, safari guide. Yeah, yeah, as a safari yeah. guide, inspired by the trip that that brought that up for me. It was uh, per, perfect timing. Right. Yeah. So that. So the safari guide. That's the, that's the that's for the youngest son. Uh, and I believe you're alluding to my, our oldest son. Uh, <laughs> who, yes, uh, we did, uh, we came back when we did come back from our trip, we came back as a family of three, as opposed to a family of four. <laughs> when you told me that, I was just like, what, what happened? Why would you say it like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I kind of a nice intro. <laughs> um, that's, that's the, yeah, that, that's the epic storyteller in you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the, uh, yeah, what happened was, uh, uh, our oldest son, who's a big uh, footy player, big soccer fan, football fan. He, uh, well, actually, even for both kids. Uh, so our youngest, he, he loves volleyball. And uh, so every country we went to, we encouraged the kids to, you know, look up opportunities for themselves to, to play their sport. And so that's what they did. So they would, so obviously, our, our son who loves soccer, he found way more opportunities than his younger brother, just because, obviously, the global... Um, presence of, of soccer, um, but yeah, he's uh, he's right now um, as we speak. Uh, actually, he's right now he's in the Philippines. Actually, he's on the <laughs> he's. Uh, <laughs> but to take a step back from that, he's uh, he's he's at a British international school in Thailand uh, on a scholarship uh, for soccer. Tell us how that came about, because that is just such a cool cool story. Yeah, he, um, so like I was saying, we encouraged the boys to look for opportunities for them to play their sports. So when we went to Malaysia, which was the country that was eluding my mind before when you were asking me where we visited, but Malaysia was... Ah, uh, Malaysia! Yes, yes. And actually, it was one of our favorite countries. I can't, can't believe I had a bit of a brain fart there. But yeah, so it was Malaysia. We went to Malaysia, and uh, so our oldest son, this would have been now our, I guess our third, fourth country that we've been to on our trip. And so he become accustomed to reaching out to people and looking out for opportunities. And yeah, so he reached out to this academy that, uh, <clears throat> that welcomed him to come and join and play soccer with them or football with them. And uh, while we were, uh, while he was, you know, practicing with them and training with them, we got close to the coaches, uh, husband and wife team. And then they mentioned that they had friends who um, also run academies in um in vietnam so vietnam was actually on our radar in terms of going on our travel trip and so we said okay well when we go to vietnam we'll we'll reach out to them and that's what we did and they told us uh, yeah they were actually having this was de- december now so the kids were actually out of school and so they were having like a week-long uh, uh soccer training so it was it was good timing for us uh, or for tristan or our oldest son and so, so he was able to partake in, in, in that uh, in that training session. Um, and then they told us, or actually we met, sorry, uh, one of, there was a guest coach there, um, a Brazilian, 
who was uh, who, had, who was running a soccer academy in Thailand. And again, so Thailand was on our radar to 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 visit. And so they warmly invite us to their place when we eventually arrived to, to Thailand. And so when we went to Thailand, we went and hung out with them. And uh, while I was hanging out talking with, uh, with the husband, he was mentioning, because their son is the same age as our oldest son. And then he just was casually mentioning how there was this British International School in South Thailand that they were going to try to get their son into. Um, they offer a scholarship. And and here I'm thinking, wow, I was kind of a bit mind blown by this whole scholarship idea for like high school, high school age, right? Because in my mind, it's all like university, college, right? And uh, so, yeah, it kind of opened up my, I guess, horizons in terms of uh, what was possible. And yeah, so the next day I told, told, my, told our oldest son about it, not thinking too much of it. And literally within that, after I was literally done telling him, about it, he was on the computer, and uh, maybe an hour later, he had come back to myself and my wife and said, "Okay, I need, uh, I need my report card, and I need a letter from the principal." Uh, I said, "Oh, okay. What's this for?" He said, "Well, I want to apply." And you know, so I, I guess he looked at everything, read everything, and said, "All right, sure. All right, let's do it." Not thinking again, not thinking too much of it. And yeah, so we uh, we got what he needed, sent in the application, and we just kind of let it ride. To be honest with you, we didn't really because <laughs> yeah, we're not. Thinking... I love this. <laughs> I love this, I, this so much. This was it wasn't the plan. It wasn't the plan to you know let's go on this world trip and then along the way uh, let's maybe leave a son or two at a at an international <laughs> school. Because <laughs> how many months right? into the trip are you now? Like three or four. So yeah, this would have been February. Um, so now we're at uh, month five at this okay. point. Yeah. yeah. So he just, so he does his tryout. Yeah. So we uh, so that was kind of interesting too because uh, we we, uh, we when we went to South Thailand, uh, we still hadn't because we were in North Thailand at the time. When we sent the application. The school was in South Thailand. When we got to South Thailand, uh, just on a whim, I thought, you know what? Let's just email the coach. We hadn't heard anything, and I said, let's just ask if we can just check out the facility and. And you know, watch maybe the the soccer team play, um, but made no. Um, I didn't make any admission to the fact that we had uh, an app uh, application, right? And but we had to send in our to get. So he said he welcomed us and he said, "Well, we just need your passports," and said, oh, "Sure, no problem." So we sent a scanned copy of the passports, and then he was he emailed back and said, "Oh my gosh, you you guys are the Canadians that uh, sent an application. Like you guys are here." <laughs> And uh, yeah, we said, yeah, we're we're here. And so, well, <laughs> I love so, it. So, well, it's like, wow, this is amazing. Like, wow, can can your son come for uh, come for a tryout? And interestingly enough, that day was other than Morocco, this was probably the second worst uh, sick illness that our our son was. Um, and he actually originally had said no that he didn't want to do the training because of how he was feeling, and. <sighs> So there was a gap between when, we, when he invited us in that morning to come in the afternoon, so a few hours. So I just told my son, well, let's, let's just wait to see how you feel in the afternoon and go from there. And, I mean, he still wasn't feeling well in the afternoon. Like, not much had changed, <laughs> right? And we just uh, – I said, well, what do, you, how, what do you think, right? And he said, well, I'll just bring my – I'll bring my soccer boots and take it from there. So long story short, obviously, he tried out that day. And maybe fortunately for him in terms of timing, which – 
I guess when you kind of look back and I share this story, it's, you know, the timing of things just were very fortunate for all these things to happen. And so the other fortunate circumstance was that they were actually going on a break the following week. And this was now a Thursday. And so they only gave him, um, he was only basically going to have a two-day trial. We didn't know this at this time, right? Because we didn't even know what the process was like. But because, and typically if they have someone come uh, to try out or for the scholarship program, if they're there physically, they usually have them come there for four days, right? Just, you know, the first couple of days, get the, you know, get the butterflies out. Uh, or, if, or if they can't come out there, then they send a video, right? So because the window had, was only two days and they were going on a week break and then we were traveling off to, uh, actually we were going back to Malaysia at this point. Um, they actually made a decision on that Friday, that second day of trial, which came out of nowhere. So the head, I remember just watching the training session and then the headmaster walked up to me who we'd met the day before and he said, uh, I'll never forget these words. We'd like to offer your son a scholarship. That is yeah. so magical. Yeah, and then so that's like over done. a year ago now. Yeah, it's over a year ago. So then a month later, um, so we were going back to Malaysia, and then again, circumstances were really played out really well because um, they had the the school had said, "Oh, you're going to Malaysia? Oh, that's great because the NBC there knows us really well. So going through there to do the, all the paperwork to get the student visa will be a breeze, which it was. And uh, so you we went to Malaysia because we were invited back by those same. A uh, couple, the coaches that he first um, got introduced to these other opportunities in Asia. Uh, we stayed with them for a few days. Um, we we call them now our very close friends. Um, we're hoping maybe to go see them in December of this year. Um, yeah, and then we went back uh, into Thailand in, in March, and uh, we'll never forget the day we dropped him off because it was my wife's birthday, and so that was the day we uh, dropped him off, uh, first day of boarding. And wow. we said, uh, we said, farewell until next time. <laughs> oh, how hard was that? Or was it, you know what? Was it um, easy for you? It, 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 it was for me personally. I can only speak for myself because uh, my wife would probably say something else. But for me personally, it was, it was easy because, uh, no, the reason, not because I want to ban him or anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have, I want to have less children uh, to worry about. It was during the course of the trip up to that point. He had, I seen the maturity and the <clears throat> growth in him. You know, for example, when we would be, you know, everywhere we're going, it's somewhere different and foreign, right? We, we don't know where we're going, where to go, kind of thing, right? And he was always, for whatever reason, he loved taking the lead. He loved being in front, right? And I remember sometimes him and his brother would even like kind of, you know, you know, fight it, right? Because, you know, he always wanted to be in front. And when we go to the airports, he'd be the one pointing where we had to go for, for the gates and, and et cetera. We had to go to check in. Um, he helped us immensely when it came to looking traveler. for accommodations, um, uh, for flights, uh, yeah, he was, he just, he really, not to say he, he wasn't grown up, but he really, he definitely grew up more during that time, uh, that we were traveling and he showed a different level of maturity and confidence in himself that made me feel that my comfort level had r risen so much higher than if I had to make that decision months earlier before we'd even started the trip. Wow. 
Yeah, he it's, definitely. It's almost uh, like he found his way of contributing, like during the trip. Like he, yeah. he kind of found his place of just like, oh, this is what I can do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Without po- point us. the way, find accommodations without you having to ask. Exactly, and that's exactly he took the words right out of my mouth. And that's the thing we never asked him to do any of these things. Um, these are things that he took the onus on himself to say, like almost like, hey, parents, I got this. I got this. Mm-hmm. And like, all right. And because of that, yeah, literally that uh, seeing him do that and that growth over that those last few months, I was very comfortable with him. Just and you know what? And and he was happy. He was beyond happy. He was extremely mm-hmm. happy. Um, and f- obviously, as a parent, your child's happiness is, is your happiness. And That's so, for that reason, that was the other reason that uh, we were very, very, very comfortable with him. Um, and this was his dream. You know what? Uh, his dream is to be playing professional soccer, and um, this is part of what he wants to be as part of his lifestyle in the future. And this was a very, very good opportunity for him. And yeah, it's uh, how long? How long did you have this dream of traveling the world with your family? Mm, good question like years and years uh, and years or what? yeah i would say years and years i would say that well let's put it this way i mean every time i did like you know many of us do these goal planning uh um, bucket lists yeah yeah i mean on my bucket list wasn't world travel you know i had it it was more i'd say segmented it would be like oh well you know what in maybe in three years i want to go to asia uh and then in five years i'll do australia and then Mm. seven years i'll do africa right you know space it out you know because you know financially we'll do a couple weeks there yeah 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 right just you know we take like three weeks for the trip and come back kind of thing so there was i guess the seeds that were planted but it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't merged as one like the idea of doing all of them at one time. Uh, yeah, you know what? I kind of think about it. I'm not, too sh- I'm not sure why that... I don't know. Just it, somehow, it's some reason, it, it, it did at some point for me. Just, I guess the question I asked myself was, why not? Why not just do all of them all at once? Right? Yeah. And I guess it comes down... It comes to what we were talking about before, right? In terms of the other factors, like the impermanence and feeling that, you know, things can change at a moment's notice and life can take a complete different direction, um, you know, in the next hour, tomorrow, next week, right? That can really change your, change everything in your life or a lot of things in your life. Um, So I guess for me, it's just saying that, you know what, why stretch this out for seven years to do this in a series? Why not just put it all together and do it all at once. And that's what we did. What's showing up for me is just this beautiful sequence of events, this ripple effect of, you know, seeing what happened with, you know, with losing your friend, hearing from another family who traveled the world and how everything was the same here leading to, you know, making this happen, making this dream come true all at once, as opposed to, piece by piece over the next seven or 10 years. And then like you, you know, working with your family to make this dream come true to the point where, you know, now it kind of, the dream continues because your son is 
Like he got a short, he, you know, he got a shortcut to his dream. If you didn't mm-hmm. go on that trip, this wouldn't have been a possibility. This wasn't wouldn't have been in the radar even. No, and now he right. is right. Like, yeah. and like now here he is. Like he's what sixteen, fifteen, sixteen. Uh, yeah, he's turning sixteen uh, this year. And he's playing soccer on a scholarship on another side of the planet. Correct, yes. Doing the thing that he loves. All because you chose to interpret some of these signals as, why not now? Why not Mm -hmm. me? Why not us? Correct. Yep. Yeah, it's that simple. (laughs) (laughs) What, What would you say are some of the biggest, like, biggest lessons for you or biggest what 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 would your message be to us based on how you you know how you take this entire experience and mm-hmm. maybe synthesize well, it into some major insights or yeah you know i i would say well you said one word uh, of the two that i that come to mind uh one is is experiences and the second is uh relationships um I mean, the experiences, which, you know, I've shared with you just a, a fraction, obviously, of, of what we went through um, over the, the nine months uh, are priceless. They're, they're all priceless moments that we can always talk about and, and reference. And, 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 you know, what? I remember this. One, this actually reminds me of one, this one Christmas that we had. This was a few years ago when the kids were, were much smaller. And I remember our, our youngest was opening up his gifts and he uh, opened up his last gift. And then he said, is that it? And I thought, ooh. It's a gut punch. Yeah. So that was, so that was something that stood in the back of my head. But then another, another let's call it event um, that happened was just listening to the kids. Right. In terms of when they did share anything that um, that was fun for them, that they enjoyed themselves, that they loved, it was always an experience. It was never anything that we bought for them. Right. It wasn't anything um, under the tree that they had opened up and they had talked and they talked about ever again. They used it, played with it and end of story. That was it. Right. But anything that they ever talked about was always about the experiences. And for me, realizing that, you know, that was something that I knew from this trip. And even though I know that I walked into this knowing that the boys probably won't appreciate what has happened probably until later, later on in their life. Right. And even I mean, they, it was funny because I can when we'd run into people, whether it was before the trip, during the trip or after the trip. You know, they would, and the kids are with us and we're having a conversation about our, our travels. You know, pretty much all the times, they, the person that we're talking to would say, Oh my gosh, what an experience, what an opportunity you had, you, you had um, doing this trip or, or having or about to have, depending on when they, we, we had the conversation with them. And, and I could tell when they were hearing this, it was like, Oh, here we go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We heard this before. Da, 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 right. And I know that the reality check is going to be, years down the road when it'll hit them that oh my gosh like we did these experiences that some people will never ever do right and some will talk about um and maybe 
they might do or maybe do a fraction of it. Um, and here they are, they can say that, that they did it. And um, yeah, it's so yeah, definitely um, having these experiences definitely is a big, big takeaway that it's something that will they can take forever, right? And last forever. And yeah, and relationships. Uh, that was that was one of the things that wasn't even on the radar, so to speak, in terms of what I was thinking about what would come out of this trip. And yeah, we made some really unbelievable relationships with people along the way as we traveled. Um, people that we still are in touch with today that literally we can, so all the countries that we went to, all we have to do is go onto our, our WhatsApp or Facebook and, and reach out to, um, someone that we know that we met in these countries and they're going to open up their house to us and open up their arms to having us stay with them and hang out with them. And, and, and just, yeah, that's just. You know, that was one of the more amazing things that, uh, I mean, that Malaysian family that we just came across because our oldest son decided to send an email because he wanted to play soccer. So when we went back to Malaysia the second time, they said, oh, no, you guys, when you come back, you're staying with us, right? Like, we, we met them only a few months ago, right? Like, two months before that, or a month. And here they are opening up their house to us and saying, hey, no, you guys stay with us. Um, we stayed with them for, I think it was 10 days or so. And uh, they were just, we, we were part of their family. Um, we went, they had a couple of family events. We went to, they went to church one Sunday. They invited us to come to their church. And yeah, it was, yeah, the, it was just, it was awesome, man. It was just so awesome. And just the connection and genu genuine um, connection with people. It was, it was priceless. Does it? Does it give you um, like a newfound perspective or maybe just a deepening appreciation of uh, just human beings all around the world from different places and different cultures? And just like, you know, as you're telling me that, it just makes me think of like people are beautiful, like yeah, human beings you know, are so, so generous and so open and so willing to, you know, to to open their arms to people who are, you know, also open and curious and mm -hmm. genuine as well yeah you know what i have zero we had our stressful moments obviously uh, along the trip but i honestly have zero horror stories to share with anybody from the time that we were i mean we went to four different con we did, went to 10 countries and four different continents and yeah some places uh you may not want to be <laughs> at late at night um, and obviously, yeah, we learned to not be in those places, right? And that was because of, you know, meeting people, local people who would kindly tell us places to go, places not to go, places to suggestions of where to eat and, um, you know, things to see that were off the beaten path, right, in terms of the touristy things, right? That was you know, I think, I think most people would know this too. It's kind of one of the secrets is, you know, talk, have that conversation with a local. Um, most people are generally kind and want to help you. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what we found. We definitely found that. And, and I remember actually, um, <laughs> it was funny. We were, we were in South Africa. We were, we were trying to find this park. So we, we were walking or we walking around and we had our, we had our phones. So we we're using our GPS to, to try to figure out where how to get to this park and we can't find it. And then I'm just like, okay, forget this. 
So I just walked up to somebody and I said, hey, listen, we're trying to get to this park. Can you tell us uh, how to get there? And sure enough, he pointed to where we needed to go and we got to the park. And I wanted the kids to see that and hopefully digest that and see that. Hey, guys, listen. People are genuinely going to want to help. And don't always, you know, put your head down onto your gadget and feel like that's going to be your source of um, connection, your source of, uh, you know, direction um, of where you need to go. People, people are fellow human beings. <laughs> We're here to help each other. We're social beings, mm. right? Yeah, there's black sheep out there. Of course there is, right? But don't let that experience, those negative, those one those outlier experiences now become a generalized way of how you deal with people, how you interact with people. Right. And I think that was a take a good takeaway for the kids was to see that, you know, what's from traveling all these different places. There isn't a place where they wouldn't go again. Right. And that's because they felt very comfortable. And I mean, trust me, we weren't, we weren't exactly staying in five-star hotels. I guarantee you that. <laughs> well, we were staying as much as we could. We tried to immerse ourselves in the local culture. We were doing homestays. So places where essentially you're, you're living with the family, right? And then you're mm -hmm. getting up you're and really getting close to the yeah, culture. Yeah. You're, you're eating, they're preparing meals for you and um, you're, and they're sharing their stories with you and, um, telling them, telling them about themselves and, and their country and and the history and yeah, it was just it was awesome, man. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks right now. <laughs> wow, I I, I can tell, like I can tell how fond you are and and how incredible the experience was for you. Uh, how how has how have you changed or how has life changed since being back? Is there anything that you do differently? Is there a way of looking at the world or? Treating your, you know, treating your, your, your time, your relationships, your business differently. I have to admit that I, you know, when we came back, uh, I felt like I was ready to come back. Um, and the, the reason being is that, so we, we came back, uh, I think it was end of May. Uh, we, like I said, we dropped off our son um, in Thailand, our oldest son in March. And for me, the mojo of the trip had changed when we became now a family of three traveling around. And not, I wouldn't say it was a, in a negative way. It just the, the vibe just completely changed. And for me, and, and maybe the experiences were, were, had changed as well in the sense of like we went to Australia after. Uh, we saw some friends that we knew from here, um, just actually within the city that we live in here. And so we're hanging out with them a lot and their friends and Australia is, you know, arguably similar to Canada in a lot of respects. Right. And so it felt like I was, we were kind of almost like at home almost. Right. Uh, and then we went to Croatia, finished off of Croatia and then in Portugal. So yeah, things from going from the Sahara desert and Morocco and safari in South Africa, things that really, come down to a, a, a change there wasn't that awe and shock as much as it was before and so i came back pretty much settled in terms of um, adjusting back to um, our way of life so to speak and in terms of me changing 
I don't know if I really changed a lot per se. You know, I think I'm still the same, same old Mark um, at the core. Um, how, do I really look at things differently? Relationships, yeah. I would say um, in terms of how I value relationships, hmm. I would say that's probably one of the bigger ones for sure. Um, I think it's easy to kind of take for granted the relationships I do have with people. Um, some of the great people that we have and have come to know and call friends and family here. And I think we kind of take that for granted um, and probably don't spend as much moments as we can, uh, as we should, because when we do have those moments together, they're like off the chart moments. And so why don't we have more of these moments, right? If we have such, why are we limiting them to like once or twice a year? And um, so, yeah, it's just, yeah, that really hit home in terms of, the relationships and even with our, our, our family here, you know, we, we're back to, uh, we're back to, you know, I'm sometimes eating by myself dinner and because, you know, I'm coming home late and, um, or the family, or in this case, we have our, just a youngest boy right now, our youngest son who has his sports. So they're taking off around dinner time to, for practice and comes back. So we eat a late dinner. And so we're not eating that dinner together anymore. And, so yeah, you know what the the relationship factor is definitely um, more close and upfront than probably it was before. Yeah. And what about uh, goals for yourself? Do you set? Do you feel like you set different goals now, or are you really, really interested in um, setting up more time to go back and visit your son? <laughs> <laughs> are you like okay this is something we can look forward to you know this time we're gonna go out and see him and you know what we have uh incorporating we have that yeah you know what? we have unfinished business you know in the sense that uh, i mean there were places on the uh on the original list of places that we wanted to go that we, that we didn't go whether that was because of logistics reasons or financial reasons so there's definitely um uh in terms of the goals for sure, um, traveling to some of these countries that we didn't get to visit uh, on the first time. Uh, now that we're going to do a world trip, now we're gonna, now that we're going to do this again in terms of the in terms of the scope that we did the first time. But yeah, you know, we still want to do another. We want to do like, for example, go to Kenya or Tanzania to see the migration. Because hmm. um, yeah, again, we were just all. It was a unanimous decision that that experience um, with seeing the animals up close and being in on their being on their turf uh, was just was just awesome. It was priceless, and you want to do that again. So yeah, that's yeah. yeah travel still that will never go. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> that will never go. And yeah, you know what? It made us think about you know where we want to live, and not live. You know? Right. Uh, right. It's like, uh, like it was really interesting to. Uh, <laughs> so my wife, uh, it was. It wasn't. We weren't even in high season, like the really hot season. Like everywhere we went in terms of the country, we were always in the off season, right? In terms of uh, the the temperatures and the summertime weather. Mm -hmm. And so I remember in Asia, when we were in Asia, it was still. I'm trying to what part of Asia we were at. Uh, it was either warm to to really hot, um, although we weren't at their peak you know, heats heating season. And I remember there was times where my wife, she would be, we'd be walking down the sidewalk and I just see her across the street. And I'd be thinking, okay, what's she doing? Like we're heading this direction. Why is she, we could just stay here. Like why does she have to go across the street? And then I realized that, Oh, 
she's over there because she wants to be in the shade <laughs> because the the sun is beating down on us and she can't can't stand the can't stand the sun so much so oh one of the takeaways one of the lessons that we kind of took away from that was that yeah like for her like being in like kind of constant hot is not for her mm. so for us in terms of goals to go back to your question about goals you know for us you know down the road and kind of that retirement time is that um uh you know to go somewhere where it's hot all the time is may not be the best thing if i want yes. a happy wife happy life <laughs> Right. So she she she's come to appreciate, which I'm fine with, you know, the um, kind of uh, somewhere where there's seasons. Right. Maybe maybe a little bit less so on the winter season um, or not have a winter season at all. But, uh, yeah, to get to kind of the fall temperatures. Um, so, yeah, gold wise. Yeah, we're looking at places to, to retire where, yeah, we have that kind of uh, type of climate where we're not getting to the extreme colds, but we're not getting to extreme heat as well. And there's somewhere in between. Uh, so yeah, it, that that really helped define, which was kind of a ripple effect. I mean, we didn't expect you learned that about trip. each other there. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it was like oh, Asia, because we had like Asia's awesome. Like we love Asia. We're definitely going back again. Um, all the countries we went to in Asia, um, there's even countries that we didn't get to go to that we'd love to visit as well. Um, yeah, but we realized that uh, at least she realizes that from a from a heating. Per- Heating perspective, heat temperature, yeah, maybe not so much <laughs> for Asia. Can't do the constant heat. Gotta have no. s- some milder climate. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. not always, always, exactly. always. Hot. Although, I mean, China, obviously, Love depending it. where you are in China, you can have quite varying temperatures there. But, yeah, that's, yeah. So, down the road, we'll probably be. And then we're also being mindful of what the kids may be doing in terms of their lives, right? Um, so, where, what does that look like? Right. So goal wise, we should probably be somewhere somewhat centralized to be able to get to potentially the areas, countries that they might be in. Right. So, yeah. Well, look, look, look what you started. Yeah. <laughs> like, look what you created for your family. Like the whole world has opened up mm-hmm. for opportunity, for choices of where to live and what you can do. That's I love it. That's so beautiful, man. It's so inspiring to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. Like, you know what? It's like for, even for our youngest, our youngest son to see his older brother, you know, being out there and, you know, different country and doing his thing. I mean, he's now thinking bigger, too. Right. He's thinking, well, mm-hmm. gee, my brother's doing this. Well, why yeah. can't I? Right. And and again, yeah, why not? Same thing that for this trip, you know, why not me? Why not now? And um, so, yeah, he's he's yeah, he's kind of dropped hints here and there of looking at other places to go to pursue his dreams and which obviously we're going to support. So you had an incredible goal to achieve. You hustled your butt off. You went and had this life changing experience, not just for, for you, but your, but your kids. And it's kind of like, and it's still continuing on. Like it's you, there's a dramatic ripple effect to it. What would you say uh, motivates you now? Like what are you motivated towards now? Uh, well, I think it's, it's for, for my wife and I, where our motivation is, uh, our youngest son right now in terms of, you know, helping him kind of with whatever he wants to pursue. We, we feel that our oldest son right now, he's on autopilot essentially right now. Right? He's, 
yeah, you know, he knows exactly what he wants to do, um, whether that whether that uh, leads him to playing professionally or, or not. Um, he's making now these relationships with these other kids that are out of school that are obviously from different uh, other countries, right? Um, like as we speak, uh, he's in the Philippines. He's on a two-week break, and he's he's in the Philippines with one of his friends um, for their two-week break from school, right? And on his one-week break that they had back, uh, I can't remember when it was, but they went to uh, uh, went to North Thailand. Um, so he's uh, you know he's doing wow. his thing, and he's and he's being really um, cognizant of what options are for him because um, he's he's fast forwarding and looking at the kids that are older than him so that are in their final years at the school and is you know asking them the right questions in terms of you know what are you doing where are you going and and what are the, what are the options so which is good to see like he's doing more than I ever did when I was his age wow. <laughs> I was kind of just living you know life just kind of as it came where he's actually now you know, looking at his options and he's already laid out, you know, to us and it's, it's going to change, which is fine. It's a moving target. Um, you know, he's told us, you know, kind of the, you know, if this doesn't happen, then I'm going to do this. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm going to do this, which is cool. So um, for him, it's like, okay, you're good. <laughs> now our motivation right now is with the, with uh, our youngest son. And really it's more of helping him, uh, you know, facilitate what he wants to do. Right. Um, and we're trying to we're trying to let him know that um, in an implicit way that you know what you, you don't what your brother's doing is one thing that doesn't have to be you like if if your thing is mm-hmm. doing something just here and staying here then that's cool too right especially our wallet will be thankful too as well <laughs> <That you wanna stay laughs> yeah it doesn't have to look doesn't have to look exactly the same way and it could right? still be the something that he's driven by and really wants for himself. Yeah, and you know, and we have to as parents, we're you know, we're trying to be careful of the fact that you know there's a two-year difference, right, between the two boys, and we gotta be aware that, you know, what he's still two years, um, uh, there's still a two-year difference, and with that, obviously two years is a lot of time, especially at this age for the kids, and so we're not trying to force anything upon him, obviously, but obviously we're trying to give him the best opportunity possible and really open up his eyes mm-hmm. to. What, what's out there, right? And so that's what motivates us from uh, from our from our, I guess our son perspective. And then for us, you know, what uh, our motivation is, you know, getting back out there and traveling. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, yeah. we just uh, there's not there's probably not a day where my wife says, "Oh, I wish I could be back there doing this again." And and uh, yeah, so definitely that's something that we now do a part two of what we did on part one, but, uh, it'll come in a different version of it. And if that means, if that means, you know, just, uh, like a three week stay here and, um, and that's fine. Right. So it's, it's all good and it's all good. Final piece of advice. What would you give to us based oh, on what gosh. you shared with us? Like, what would you, impart on us in terms of maybe like something to take action on or mm-hmm. I think my takeaway from all of this is listen to that little voice in your head that's telling you to do X whatever X is and 
go with it. I mean, or at least try to take the next step towards it. Right. You may not have to go make the big step. I mean, our, our travel was a year in planning. Right. Um, so whatever that is for someone else. So that thing that you're putting off for five years, 10 years down the road, ask yourself, well, how can you make it sooner? <laughs> right. I mean, that's, yes. I mean, it's, 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 it's you know, it, and this, by the way, wasn't how I was thinking a few years ago. Right. But I see now the power of what has happened. And, you know, I didn't know all of this other stuff would happen. <laughs> right. But it's all been positive and, and who knows what the other ripple effect will be of whatever that decision is for that person is of that thing or things that they're, that they've been putting off that they, that they want to do. And, uh, that would really, you know, is it something in the bucket list? I don't know. Maybe it's that it's whatever it is that you have enjoyed doing. Maybe you're not, you haven't been doing it. Uh, you know, I just didn't want to get to, uh, like I said, going back to the whole uncertainty, I just didn't want to be looking back in any moment in my life and say, Oh man, I, why didn't I do that? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I do that? Right. And now it's, it's, it's honestly such a relief to be where uh, I'm at now in terms of knowing that we did it. And, and it feels just such like, not like oh, I felt pressured to do it necessarily. Right. But to know that, yeah, this was something that we set out to do and we did it and it was something big and huge and, um, and we pulled it off and we're all the more happy for it and better people for it. Yeah. It's just such a calming feeling to know that, you know, and it's going to sound really weird to say this. And this is only something that's really coming to my mind. It's like, you know what, honestly, if, if I was to go to the doctor right now and I was told I had stage four pancreatic cancer, um, I would be okay because I would feel like, you know what? I did something really awesome with my family and it's something that's priceless that they're always going to remember. I'm always going to remember that's going to go with us forever. And it's not something that I'm thinking about that I didn't do and regret about. And yeah, it's, that's, that's actually the first time I ever said that out loud. <laughs> uh, it's only something that's kind of flowing in my head, but uh, yeah, it's uh, where my state of mind is at or was at. Mark, man, thank you so much for being willing to share your experience with us all. Well, thank it you for the so, opportunity. You know, I mean, a lot, so many of us have dreams, have fantasies, have ideas of what we might want and, and what uh, would make us happy or feel fulfilled or have us be able to say that we lived a life of, you know, with no regrets. And, you know, your story is a huge testament to the possibility of it inside all of us. I mean, all you did was you made a very firm decision and you stood by it and you put your entire being into it and you made it happen. And what's really cool is that because you prove you've proven that in such a massive way, in a, such a tangible way that we all can see as well. It's like, man, 
you can do it again. What do you want to set your mind to next? And also for us, like watching, we're just like, well, what's that for me? Like, what's my version of that? That I need to, that I need to take a stand for and just hustle and work towards it and be driven by and like, it's going to happen. Like, I just got to commit. So I, I, I acknowledge you for the courage it took to make such a, you know, to do something, something so out of the box, family of four, teenage boys, pulling them out of school, 10 different countries, four different continents, leaving one behind, like my good, staying in someone else's home, many people's different homes. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you're put, you're you're exposing yourself. You're vulnerable, and you're being very open, and you're seeing the world in such a different way. And man, it inspires me. And and I know a lot of people who think about you know world travel and and you know how challenging it might be with kids or whatever it is um, are listening to this and just and just, and probably reimagining what's possible for them and reimagining their stories of huh, well why can't I. Like, is that just, Mm. is that just a story I tell myself that we have kids and we have these issues and we can't do this 10 month trip or whatever it is. It's like, I I think, you know, you sharing with us your, your experience, your story, um, is helping a lot of us reimagine what's possible for us. So thank you for that, man. You're most welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to share the story, stories. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Such a pleasure, man. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Let us know where we can find you and where we, where we can be in touch with you. Yeah, so as you mentioned at the start, so I do work at uh, Rockstar Real Estate. Uh, can be contacted at mark at rockstarbrokerage.com. That's the best way to uh, reach me. And yeah, love to connect with anyone who wants to even hear more of our story or talk about real estate, obviously. Amazing. Thank you so much, man. You're very welcome. Thank you. Hey, it's Oliver. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the show. To support the show, please rate us with five stars and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps the show gain more visibility. And more than that, our guests and their messages get to spread and impact even more people who are just like you. People who are rediscovering themselves, their purpose, what's possible for them, and looking to make a difference in the world. For daily stories, insights, and inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram at Oliver Manalis. And if you heard something from the show that really landed for you, feel free to screenshot it or even screen record the podcast app and share a quote from the show on your newsfeed and be sure to tag me in it. If you're curious about one-on-one coaching and want to set up a complimentary get-to-know-you call, you can go to olivermanalise.com forward slash coaching. This is for you if you're a successful entrepreneur but feel spiritually bankrupt. This is for you if you're looking to unlock your purpose and redefine your business so it aligns with a life that you love. If any of this resonates, I'd be honored to spend time with you and see how I can support you. Go to olivermanalise.com slash coaching and book yourself in for a free get-to-know-you call with me today. For links mentioned today, access to our entire library of episodes, go to olivermanalise.com forward slash show. And that's it for today's episode. We will be back with you very soon. I'm excited to announce that on May 25th to 27th, 2020, I'll be one of the leaders at Matt Pichet's More Than Money Retreat. 
This is going to be held up north in Huntsville, Ontario. Matt Pichet, in case you didn't know, is the fruitful investor. This man is a true inspiration. He went from being $30,000 in debt about five years ago to now a multimillionaire in net worth from his real estate investments. And he achieved all this with really powerful and well-executed marketing on YouTube and social media, along with his serious black belt level mastery in real estate investing, whether it's buy and holds, multi-units, flips, rentals, you name it. The guy seriously blows me away. And uh, a quick backstory, Matt's actually one of my clients, and at the outset of our coaching relationship, he was already killing it. It was really about unlocking him and having him really step into his deeper purpose, which is living an empowered and epic life in more ways beyond just succeeding in business and finances. He he actually has some really good Instagram posts sharing a lot of these changes and these insights if you follow him at Matt Pichet. That's M-A-T-P-I-C-H-E. Now you'll see that he takes Mondays off and he calls them more than money Mondays. He built a home spa complete with dry sauna, steam room, totally zen, which I actually got to experience. He takes care of himself at a whole new level, and you can see it in his freaking eyes. He is joyful in more ways than just one. So when he asked me to be a part of his More Than Money retreat, I was a total hell yeah. Guys, I I literally saw Matt go from feeling like a slave to his business, not feeling free, even though that's the very reason most of us become entrepreneurs. And uh, while he was financially doing well, he learned how to really value himself. He realized the type of impact he wanted to make, which is helping people beyond just wealth consciousness, uh, which obviously is, is incredibly important. And he's been sitting with this idea for a long time, and now it's here, the More Than Money Retreat. So guys, the place we got for the experience is incredible. It's a lakeside mansion, lots of open space, close to nature, has a freaking movie theater, pool table, fire pit, docks out to the water. I'll make sure to put a link in the description so that you can check out the the photos for yourself and the information about it as well. I I remember finding this gem and, and sending it to Matt and we just knew this is the place. So it's not a typical real estate investing uh, business seminar. This is going to be an experience. I'll be guiding you through morning meditations, yoga, a deep transformational process to help conquer your fears and unlock your hidden potential. Matt will be blowing your minds with his marketing sales and wealth wizardry. We have a nutritionist, Brooke Hutch, preparing all your healthy whole foods and teaching us about how to fuel your high-performance lifestyle. It's, it's Guys, it's going to be awesome. And it's already half sold out with six of the 12 spots already taken. So if you resonate with this, join us on May 25th to 27th for the More Than Money Retreat. The remaining spots are going to be gone soon, and uh, I do not want you to miss this. So if you're someone who's a high achiever, already succeeding, yet in other areas of your life, you feel like you're collapsing in your health, relationships, sense of inner peace, fulfillment, and satisfaction. We literally designed this retreat to give you the insights, tools, and aha moments to build a great life that you love. The More Than Money retreat is happening May 25th to 27th. I'll make sure to put the link in the description. Hit that link to see more information and how to book your spot. And uh, I hope to see you there.